when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is November 28th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio. I am your host, Austin Walker. Joining me as always, Patrick Klepek. Is this one live? This one is not live. This okay. one is to tape. Gotcha. Okay, we could live be to doing tape. it live. Live to tape. We're all doing. We're at home right now, so it'd be easy to do it from live. Yeah. We're, we're still working out our live uh, solution in the studio or in the in the the office in Brooklyn. I think we're getting close. I think we we have a solution today, but we just I had to stay home to play Final Fantasy this morning. Also joining me, Danielle Riendo. How are you doing, Danielle? I'm I'm doing great. I'm here from home. I have my my kitten and my puppy. Nice. They're working with me. They're helping me edit. They, they point doing... out typos a lot. They're always like, that was a typo. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good that's a good use to have. That's most cats catch mice, yours catch typos. That's right. That's it's good. very, very helpful. You've been doing a lot of like kitten and dog streams lately. Lots yeah. of pet streams. Yeah, it's been really, really fun. I played like eight hours of a Dishonored with my puppy on my lap the other day, nice. and it was nice. the most glorious way to play Dishonored. And also to hang out with my dog. <laughs> How many levels of Dishonored did you get through in that eight hours? <laughs> like two. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I'm playing this game. I'm loving it, by the way. And, you know, I had only sort of dipped my toe in last we talked. Uh, but, you know, I had we had the long weekend. Mm-hmm. I got to sit down, really, really sort of dive in. And this game is making me sort of be the completionist that I used to be when I was younger Ooh. and have not been that person in years and years and years. But I'm going through these levels... I'm playing as Emily. I'm playing stealthily. I've I've done two no kill levels, which for me is like never. I've never done Dishonored that way. I've always been like whatever. I'm going to kill people once things kind of fall apart. Now I'm Danielle just like, Riendo murderer. Yep, Got it. That's right. No. Well, now I'm turning a new leaf. Now mm-hmm. I'm Danielle Riendo, not murder. At least mostly. I Repentant definitely killed a lot murderer. of people on the first level, but you know. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so how are you enjoying it? It sounds like a lot. I'm in love. I'm in love with this game. It just. It's it's such a like delicious layer cake of an experience. Like I'm just mm. sort of diving my teeth into the stealth and enjoying that. I'm enjoying the sort of stealthy combat. So Emily has a power called Shadow Walk that basically lets you get away with anything, and it's the best thing ever. So you you basically you can get seen, but they can't really see you that well. So you have a lot of room to kind of maneuver around and knock guards out without killing them. It mm. looks like you're really like fucking up their shit. Yeah, I mean, let's, be, sh- let's be clear on like how Shadow yeah. Walk works. Like yeah. you, you, you go from a human to some sort of ghoul on the ground that crawls Spider along the the, <laughs> right. the the floor. Yeah. And then when you you know normally when you knock people out, you just go up and you kind of squeeze their neck, the traditional knockout maneuver. But in Shadow Walk mode, you trip them with your ghoul hands on the ground. Yeah. You you hover your fingers over their face, and they have a look of pure terror, as though you're taking your soul out of them yep. and then they just pass out yep 
it's off. It's actually worse than out. killing them. Like I would rather Scare die course. than go through what Emily does with <laughs> her shadow. Like, what's the rest of your life like after that? Like, no one's gonna believe you that you were shadow choked or whatever. Like, your it's your whole life at that point is going to be uh, a long uh, list of trying to convince people that you saw the devil itself and his name is Emily Caldwin, and no one is gonna believe you. And then you woke up under a pile of bodies. Well, like, that's the thing, yeah. The, the room, of, on you. The room yeah. of Shadow Walk victims that I create when I dump, <laughs> like, eight bodies on top of one another, hoping oh. in my mind that they form some sort of support group afterwards. <laughs> because how else do you explain how eight bodies are stacked on top of each other inside of this office? Uh, and then I'll surround the bodies with, like, glasses and things like that to make it sure. seem as though a ritual occurred. Right. Uh, these You're are trying the to ruin I their whole lives. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Oh, it's so yep. great. <laughs> How's that going for you, Patrick? Have you have you continued through? It's good. You know, yeah. My meta story of Emily Emily uh, Caldwin trying to just wreck people's lives psychologically. She's not interested about regaining the throne. She's interested in just like silently disrupting the psychological <laughs> well being of the NPCs in this world. Right. She's like, if I can't have my throne, then you can't have your lives. Like, yeah. Yep. I'm gonna. If I can't, if my life can't be stable. Neither can anybody else's. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah I, finished it, I finished it over the weekend. Uh, I, nice. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's a game that, sort of like the first one, uh, has better world building than it has actual storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that's fine. I don't. I didn't play the first one for that. It, as much as I liked the conspiracy stuff in Deus Ex, I didn't. I don't play those games for that either. Right. Um, you know, you play these games for intricately designed uh, levels uh, that allow you to approach them in a lot of different ways. And like on that respect, like Dishonored Two. Uh, uh, nails it, and then, you know there are two standout missions in particular. One which it sounds like you're about to get to, uh, Danielle, yeah. um, and and another that comes towards the end of the game um, that I don't want to say anything about, but has well, I just won't say anything. But there are two levels that are <laughs> uh-huh. are that have I guess I would say very unique uh, mechanics in uh, how they operate and how the player operates with them, which is a nice uh, sort of breakup from sort of the general template of a. A dishonored cool. level, which is just sort of you know going from room to room and dealing with different sort of uh, guard and layout scenarios. Um, these ones sort of fundamentally change how you even think about approaching the, the levels uh, entirely. And then you know, like they do things, they do clever things throughout the game, like sometimes maybe limiting your powers, uh, forcing players to act differently than how they might have uh, prior mm-hmm. to that. So they they do some cool tricks. Do you think that that is? Do you think that we're seeing a trend of that sort of thing this year? Of like, okay, it, like. Again, the thing that comes to mind for me is the sort of like Super Mario Galaxy or just like Super Mario, the modern era of Super Mario games of just like, oh, we figured out a really cool mechanic of interaction. We're going to build a level around that and then we're going to move on and do something new. Because we've seen that in Titanfall this year. We've now seen it from what I'm hearing in, in, in these levels of Dishonored. Um, I even hear that like some of the later parts of Final Fantasy do that hmm. this year, where it's just like, okay, for this chunk of the game, it's like this, and like it's a cool me- like sub mechanic, and we're gonna move on. Like obviously, games have had set pieces for a long time, um, but that's sort of like, oh, we figured out this one thing, can we build something around it for forty five minutes to three hours, and then let you move on with your life? Um, is that a trend, or is it just happened to be a couple of these? instances of it i think it's a hallmark of good game design because there's mm-hmm. been you know great games in the past that have done that i mean the original bioshock did that certainly sort of towards the end not that that was the best part of the game or anything sure. but I, I i think the sort of idea of approaching each level as its own sort of world or as its own sort of chunk of the world as its own approach to the world is just sort of like that's that's great design you know that's mm-hmm. smart design is that like one way maybe we should start thinking about 
levels is like I think traditionally when we think about a, a game a level of the game we think about like a narrative chunk or a, a geographical chunk where it's like okay for this portion there is you know this is the green hill zone and everything's bright <laughs> and shining yeah and then when the level changes is when it becomes casino night zone and blah blah, blah. I know oil whatever was in the middle chemical zone is in the middle I've skipped chemical zone no no more chemical zone it's 2016 <laughs> we got to fix the environment no more chemical zone that's right um the so like my, maybe there's a way that we should start thinking about really good or like a, a, maybe a, a different way of thinking about games in general like chunking them up in our heads is to think about when like the the sort of conceptual mechanical chunks where it's like okay for the this first three hours it says it's three different levels but like it's basically just zeroing in on left trigger right trigger shooting mechanics cover mechanics like the basic thing and then like oh then there's this next chunk of the game where it opens up or it adds this new thing or, it's, or mechanically it's focused on this, this, and this um, for this next, like, level or chunk of, of time? Is that the way that you, as someone who teaches game design, Daniel, like, do you already think about games chunked up in that way? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, it certainly depends on the type of game. Like, Dishonored, I think of as, you know, it's it's somewhat a story-based game, but it's it's sort of a, a game that is about interesting mechanics and with really great world design around those mechanics First and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of have a story that makes sense of it all, at, you know, in a wrapper. I mean, a game that is entirely story-based, I think of, you know, much more in terms of like, okay, character arcs. That's how things are sort of chunked right. into. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely, I think, a really intelligent approach. I mean, that's how players tend to approach that sort of game, too. Like, what can I do in this level? What are my right. verbs? What, what's actually going on? What am I sort of interacting with here? As opposed to... And here I'm on the other side of the map. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's useful for me as I'm thinking about like, so I just started playing Final Fantasy 15, and I'm thinking about it in relation to Dragon Age Inquisition a lot, um, for lots of oh, reasons. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that that I'm thinking about with regards to Dragon Age Inquisition that I hope doesn't happen with Final Fantasy is there was a moment in Dragon Age where I completed the bulk of the game's like. Uh, kind of not dynamic what's the word i'm looking for like kind of like high high quality highly produced um story stuff before the end but i still had lots of the kind of like big areas that had side quests in them and even had some like really interesting side quests but not ones that had like shot reverse shot like dynamic cutscene style things um and in my head that's stuff that's just one big like mess of time that all rolls together. I don't care if I'm in the hissing wastes or in some weird forest somewhere. Those those moments of the game, because nothing changed for me in terms of like what my abilities were or how I was interacting with the world narratively or mechanically, that's just one big level for me in a sense. It's like I got through the story stuff. I like leveled up a bunch of things. I got, oh, I got this new subclass. Oh, I got this new super ability. Oh, I finished the main story like arc before the finale. And then this huge chunk of time that's just like, yeah, I'm just doing the same thing over and over. And I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if Final Fantasy is going, to, how, how Final Fantasy is going to mix it up. Again, I hear the second half of that game is just a weird, like, complete change around. So maybe I won't have that problem. Um, but but I'm, I'm, it's an interesting way to think about games. I'm going to try to keep thinking about that going forward and seeing if there's something productive to do there. Well, I wish games were, uh, more games were more communicated better about what that side content is or what yeah. you'll be engaging with. Like, I think Dragon Age does a, did a poor job of communicating what was worthwhile in engaging yes. with on the side. Uh, the Witcher 3 is a game that did a phenomenal job of communicating 
uh, what are sort of like the junky, tedious experience, uh, you know, like when you're breaking up uh, Ness, uh, Monster Ness right, and Witcher, like right. you, you are under no illusion when you go to raid a bandit camp that you're going to find anything interesting. You're no, right. under no illusion that when you go to, you know, uh, kill another set of Neckers in, in Witcher 3 that, like, you're going to do anything but, like, just go get kill some, some monsters. Yeah, go kill get some, some monsters. Guts. And yeah. But then the game very clearly says, like, these are the side quests that you know are going to have, like, storytelling. Like, there there's right. going to be the stuff you're looking for. And so... If when I played that game, like at the end, yeah, like I had a third tab that was like, here's a bunch of shit you could still do. But like I knew it was a bunch of the shit I didn't care about doing, right. and I'd done all the stuff I did care about doing because that's the game a really good divide. Is, is like a real, like it really carefully communicates like the difference in sort of, uh, import of the of the various quests so that the player can prioritize what they're interested in doing it also allowed me more expedient in how i played the game because there would be times where it's like well i'm listening to a podcast and i don't really want right. to have to pause it to listen to a bunch of dialogue so uh you know i'm just gonna d- level up and go uh try and find like some new witcher gear and right. uh, i think th- that because it was so effective at doing that i got to play more of the like i think what happens uh, with some of these games like inquisition uh, and maybe in final fantasy we'll see how how it works out i end up missing cool stuff because i get so bored of the bad yeah. stuff that mm-hmm. i don't i shouldn't have to spend that much time looking for it and if i'm doing that then the game has miscommunicated either in the interface or how it's you know there's something that's broken down because the player should be able to find that stuff uh as fast as possible totally the, the like the thing that happened in Dragon Age specifically was that for the majority of the maps, there were there was like a big main story stuff, and then there were maps that just literally didn't have anything like yeah. that at all on them. And it's like, well, okay, like these are cool looking maps. I wish there was cool side stuff here. Um, and then like the other thing is like with The Witcher, it almost it, it almost has a, a, a like a diegetic or canonical reason for why there would be so many like shitty boring grind yeah. quests like yeah yeah dog, that's your job like that's what you do the bulk of Geralt's <laughs> life is going and like kicking a monster nest until it goes away and <laughs> or like going to somebody's like someone's shitty village and be like oh yeah bandits bandits yep, killed, uh, killed the bandits <laughs> like give me my give me my check all right bye yeah we talk um, about then- this a lot on Idle Weekend about how we want every fantasy RPG to basically be The Witcher because it's so well designed in so many different ways and the writing is so good and it the way it sort of just has everything about it sort of in its fiction and right. actually makes sense in that world and even even the boring stuff in that game is is like you're saying Austin like it, it makes sense this guy's job he's basically like a plumber only instead of like pipes it's monsters yeah. everywhere he's got to like, got to unclog the, things you know the thing that's the best about the about the Witcher 3 not the thing that's the best one of my favorite elements of it is the professionalization of his job by the witch hunters from the church yeah. where it's like yeah he's not just like a plumber he spent a lot of his life as like the one dude who knew how pipes work <laughs> and now suddenly <laughs> yeah. the church is like oh no but we got our own plumbers and they use pipe cleaners instead of like weird pipe ointments like you can trust us we're from the church we're good they have badges they have uniforms and he's just like your uncle who knows how pipes work and i actually love that uh we could talk about the witcher it's so good it's it's really great yeah holiday 2016 like when i when we get time off at the end of this year i'm doing it i'm going back to the witcher the two things i'm playing are witcher 3 and hitman i'm doing it i'm committing I'll stream them both at least once. That will mean it counts as me having played them. That's right. Um, <laughs> That's how um, it works. I, I guess I'm kind of burying the lead here a little bit, which is that I've been playing Final Fantasy 15. Not oh. that much of it. Um, you know, I'm only probably five hours in at this point, which 
is either a lot in or not in at all. Patrick, you were saying that you've heard that this is a, a, could be a 20-hour game, theoretically? I've heard, Yeah, I've heard that the main story is actually fairly easy to sort of streamline through and that there's just a ton of... Just like the world is very dense, we don't know what that density means quite yet. Right. I have I've I read uh, Jason Schreier and Phil Kohler's reviews over at uh, mm-hmm. Kotaku and Polygon, uh, respectively, just to kind of get a sense of like, I, you know, I, I am an RPG fan. Of, uh, I was a big JRPG fan in the '90s when I was first getting into games, but uh, you know, have gotten away from a lot of that stuff just due to like lack of time. Like even before having a kid, just like those games are just rough. Um, mm-hmm. But. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, the main storyline is actually like pretty digestible for like the average human being, and it's just a matter of how how deep do you want to dip elsewhere. But uh, I don't know. Like, right? What, what is? I guess before you talk about what you think about the game, like, what is your history with like JRPGs, Final Fantasy? For some people, they have literally grown up with Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah. Like literally, I, this game has uh, been right. been it's kicked around for a old. decade. That is 100% true, that it is, this game has been around for a decade at this point, which is wild. Um, you know, I grew up playing JRPGs like I think a lot of people. Like, I, I grew up for a long time. Favorite Chrono one, Tri- stop. Chrono, Chrono Trigger, Trigger? Was, probably okay. my, was probably my favorite right. one for yeah, a long time. Okay. I think that that's choice. probably probably the case i'm like i'm like a final fantasy 6 chrono trigger hell like, yeah you like, are that's Good. the dude i am um and i i liked shadow and his a dog mo- there was a mo- yeah there was a <laughs> moment when i stopped liking final fantasy 7 that made me reconsider a lot about about <laughs> jrpgs like i like jr I, I played the hell i beat final fantasy 7 like three times in high school I, was, you, know, you, I, you had like retroactive regret about enjoying jrpgs because of final <laughs> fantasy 7 no no it was like like oh no i've been fucking it up for years so like i i in college i realized in college i decided that i didn't like final fantasy 7 because of some gameplay design things i was like i want to put on my game design hat i think this game is poorly made like it doesn't do any of the things jrpgs do that i actually like which is like character differentiation in terms of stats or in terms of abilities like basically they're just materia gloves like i just barrett yeah barrett has limit breaks that are different but basically he's whatever fucking materia i put on him he isn't his own character um and then like from there i started like Okay, but what is it? I what, why is it really that I can't get back into this game? Because I know this system well enough for it to be invisible. Like I, I, I could just engage with this game at any point in any way I want to. Why is it that I'm not engaging with it? And it ended up, I, I kind of realized like it was more about the flow of the game and like the amount of effort you have to put in to find stuff that you really love and and a bunch of other stuff that, that like I'm not dissing people who like Final Fantasy VII. I completely get it. Um, but then I started thinking more widely, like oh shit, like I'm actually I haven't actually really enjoyed a JRPG since early college late high school like i haven't i've put time in i've played them i've tried my best to deeply deeply engage and i still play i still pick them up now and then and like put time into them and enjoy them um i played a lot of xenoblade chronicles x this year i played uh you know, i played the last one i even beat i'm like going to see if i can find a yeah. list of jrpgs from the there last must be decade. a list jrpgs <laughs> what yeah. are jrpgs what are... <laughs> was pretty good. that was a good one Pokemon, technically. Right. But like, I, so you, I don't, know if, Pokemon, I don't yeah. know if Pokemon counts. It's Pokemon sort of a light JRPG. It's its own thing. But yeah, we're, ta- yeah, like we're, we're talking, you got to go deeper down the rabbit talking hole. Talking JRPG. Yes, but like, have you talked to people who like really play Pokemon? Like who really play yes. Pokemon? Because they, that is a JRPG as JRPG. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm get saying into the breeding and all of that stuff. That's... We, are not, we are not those people. No, no, totally. That's. True. I want to. I want to pose a question here about JRPGs. Mm. Do you think there's uh-huh. something about the the conflation of like late high school, early college? You're starting to become a person, a human being, and you have strong feelings about things, and also you probably have time 
to play these things? Because I, I also, I'm in the same yeah, boat. Totally. There've been JRPGs I've really loved in the last few years, but I wonder if there's like, there's like a very ripe time for a, a young person to get super, super into that. Yeah, genre. I definitely left JRPGs while I still had a lot of time I because see. I was still playing things like like Romance of the Three Kingdoms ten for seventy hours. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was still dumping a hundred hours into Oblivion in college. So like yeah. it's not like I didn't have the time for them anymore. But but I think what it was was like maybe I didn't have the time for what felt like so much downtime in I didn't have time to grind anymore. And those yeah. are games yeah. most of them, not all of them, with where grinding was part of the attraction, um and was definitely part of the attraction for me in high school. Where it was like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna just do this after school. This is fun. This is a way to kill time. Or like when you um, like you know try to think back to what it was like to have three months off, you know, right, and, right. and having a summer vacation. Like I, that, like I look back on that and just don't even like want to hit myself. Like you don't understand what you had. <laughs> you wasted it. You wasted it. Uh, but I did. You were I made those. I made those chocobos have sex, and then I got that ninth of the round table summon. Right, of course, and I kicked right. Sephiroth's ass. So actually, well, it was so great. <laughs> part of it, I think, also was just like those goals don't repeat, right? Like, you get Knights of the Round once, like, I got it, I got it. I got Knights of the Round. I've, uh, you know, checkmark, ding, I did it in my life. Like, I don't need to go do it again to feel like a complete person. <laughs> um, but, like, I also felt like there were other things happening in games maybe that were more appealing to me at the time, um, which I, I'm going to wrap back around to this, which is that, like, it's also around the time that I actually got into Western RPGs for the first time. Like I obviously played, I played a lot of Morrowind in high school also. Um, and maybe Morrowind is the beginning of me like leaving JRPGs a little bit in that it was a lot of like make your own fun. Like, yes, there's still a lot of what you might consider grinding in that game, but like it's way more experimental and or maybe not more exper- it's experimental in a different way. Mm. It's more about like, what can I do? How can I mix these things together? How can I go make a weird spell that's going to make this quest easier? Um, how do I go grind for the, for the, destruction magic points that I need to be able to cast the spell cheaply, stuff like that, like where there's lots of mini objectives that you can achieve instead, like that, that you also assigned for yourself instead of necessarily to do Knights of the Round, you have to follow this 12 step like guide, you know, or, or, or like this multi-step quest where you have to breed the right chocobo so you can run over the water, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think that was part of it. And then, and then the other thing was just like, even though I kept liking anime, I stopped liking anime tropes in my games as much, which was sure. a weird thing. Like, I never stopped liking anime. I still like anime, and I still like Japanese games. Again, like, this isn't a... I'm not saying fuck anime tropes altogether <laughs> in games. Like, again, I played a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles X this year. Um, I, I play a lot of Japanese games still. But the... the so I'm playing Final Fantasy XV. Let me just, like, let's just jump to today. Playing Final Fantasy XV. The Final, Fan, Final, the, blah, 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 the Final mm-hmm. Fantasy XV crew is like mysterious prince who's like disaffected of the world even though he is a source of authority and power uh there's like your small smart british tutor friend there's like your goofy like comic relief pretty boy like younger sibling ish character who like looks up to you and there's like tough gruff boy who (laughs) tells it like it is and he's for real he doesn't wear a shirt because he doesn't need to because his chest is good and like (laughs) Yeah, okay. And I'm like five hours in, and like, I like them because I'm supposed to like them, not because I like them. Like, yeah. I like them because the delivery, the execution is okay. It's like, oh yeah, they're, they're doing the thing correctly. Not because they're necessarily really interesting characters. Like, when I, when I think about the best of Bioware's games, when I think about the best of Final Fantasy games, like, I think about Final Fantasy VI, I can name characters who break out of those tropes. Opera really scene, well. baby. That opera scene is great. The brothers are really cool. Like, yes, there's a ninja, but even that ninja is dope. Yeah, man, like, his not, dog! 
I know. His dog. So, so I think that there are like, or when I think about Chrono Trigger, like all of those characters are really fascinating. Even the ones who like fall into anime tropes, or it's like, oh, he's a tortured mage. Like, have some. There's enough in that world that transform them to be something more than just that. Yeah. That archetype. Um, and so I'm waiting to see if Final Fantasy 15 does that. It certainly has characters in the world that want to do that, um, like NPCs. But the NPCs. The world of Final Fantasy XV, FF15, doesn't feel like the world the characters are in. It feels like there's two worlds in Final Fantasy XV. There's like the world of the plot, where you're this prince who's driving across the country to go marry his his uh, his betrothed, because that will unify the families and stop a war. Like that's the setup, basically. Um, and then there's like what that country in between is like. I, I don't know if this is a, this is like startling critique on the the nature of coastal elites or something. But <laughs> oh, that definitely, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, you know what? That's I, let's go with that. That's definitely probably right. for real though. Okay, so look, the cities are big and mechanical and weird and like are not at all like the country that you're driving through. Everyone from the big cities and who is connecting to literally the a plot of that game. So the is fantasy just in, rust like, belt. Is this what we're looking at? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We absolutely are. Because, like, the main characters are all, like, all leather everything, brocade, and, like, and like fancy tattoos, and, like, good hair, like, good anime hair, and, like, anime eyes. Like, the main character has anime eyes. Everybody else in that game, I guess, like, including his dad, just look like people. It's very strange. <laughs> wow. Um, but in general, like, it's like the people who are in the main plot are dressed up for, like, the Met fashion show or whatever, whereas everybody else in the main, like, in the countryside is, like, Rust Belt Fantasy Americana, like, side-of-the-road diners. They talk with bad uh, Southern American accents. Mm. Um, they or, or, randomly, a New Yorker accent. There's, like, a journalist I just met who has just, like, a really bad, like, I'm a journalist, and I know what's what, and I'm here to do good, and I'm gonna get you, and it's like... I'm gonna get you. I've also it's heard not, the the arc, the arc of that quest is basically uh, journalism makes no money. Can you help me find a job? Which was like a really depressingly on point. Yeah, that, that adds up. <laughs> um, and so, like, it's really weird to be these characters who are finding the time to help these people go on hunts and like find the minerals they need to like help people who get lost, but also don't seem to be part of the world like i don't i'm not saying that this is the same thing as like traditional ludonarrative dissonance i'm not even talking about the like hey shouldn't you be getting to your wedding um like isn't this supposed to be a big deal why are you wasting time helping people with with shit that their local police should be helping with i just mean that like literally they seem like they're from different fucking games um and i i'm okay i'm okay with it right now but i would like to see the two things i'd like to see that talked about at some point because right now it just doesn't make any sense I mean, I, and i wonder how much of that is is relative to his development history right like you yeah. know it's it, there it, literally a novel could be written about you know what probably happened behind the scenes you know i mean to nomura was originally like the director of this and there was like right. all sorts of just i mean going back to the history of this game it's, it's why i'm interested sort of to begin with like i don't i have plenty of other games i could be playing right now yeah. like i just started playing mafia 3 again like watch dogs 2 just came out on pc like there's tons of stuff i need to get to but uh as i wrote in a piece uh a couple of months ago sort of arguing why you should play bad games i'm also intensely the same way that i watch 
like TV shows that I enjoy that uh, go on for far too long. I mm-hmm. I'll remain committed to them. Uh, why I enjoy horror franchises that go six or seven movies deep and eventually make it to space. Uh, I, I like certain things I just have to know. Yeah. And like Final Fantasy 15, and this is true of The Last Guardian as well. Uh, right. Like I just have to know. Like, and we're getting two of those games. And, you know, and I think row. The Last Guardian is next week. Yeah. Um, and, and and so 15 is this game that I just I have to see the credits because in the same way that I had to finish Duke Nukem Forever, it's just right. like I've been following, covering, reading about, interviewing about this game for so long. I just I. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor. Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Have to wrap my head around what this thing is, person. I just can't read about it. I have yeah. to experience it myself. You need closure, basically. Yeah, I do. Yes, yeah. yes. Of course. Like I, I totally get that. Well, like, and and I don't want to give the impression that I'm not having a good time either, though. Like I actually, I actually kind of think that the roadside diner stuff is quaint, and like going into a a, a diner and playing a weird arcade game or like a pinball ish game is really fun and like and like a good way it it does it's rekindling a little bit of that feeling i had in high school of just like let me just go oh wow what's this over here like oh there's a newness to this that is surprising even though it's in this 15 year the 10 year old uh, development cycle a 25 year old series at this point or whatever um like i'm still i'm finding the that i am enamored right now with every new thing that's laid out even when i'm kind of rolling my eyes at it like i got to a fishing mini game um each character in this game has a skill like a life skill one of them is like survival one of them has like i have cooking right and he cooks you food whenever you like camp out somewhere almost like monster hunter or something it's like you're gonna get buffs from whatever he cooks and you're collecting Hmm. ingredients and he's learning recipes in the world like as he just he'll like see a poster and be like aha like i get it now i add salt to this and it's good like all right that's 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 how my that's how my wife picks up all her cooking techniques (laughs) so uh so that stuff is really cool but i got to a bit where the main character's skill is is fishing and he's the sort of dude not just the sort of dude who's like yo hold on entourage for eight hours i gotta go fishing and like every time you cast and like bring it back someone someone will say something like oh wow yeah it's a good fish or whatever and one time uh uh in a bad accent like, no well in like uh it's just it's one of your crew so oh, they're like well, okay. in anime it's voices so it's okay. like prompto be like wow noctis that's a good fish or whatever <laughs> but then one time gladio who's like your big buff boy he's like Ugh, you think i could give give it a go the next time and you're like yeah okay no and like why are you such a dick noctis like <laughs> could you imagine if i was like oh everyone come over for a waypoint convention like oh we're gonna hang out together fun and then i go hold up danielle hold up patrick hold up mike I got to go fishing real quick. Just hang out <laughs> on this dock for eight hours. And that's the sort of dude Noctis is. So I'm like constantly rolling my eyes at him. But I'm still like really enjoying the the exploring this, this space and like driving around. There's a car. I, I changed the color of my car. Like, Apparently I'm, you have to I'm fill still, it up with gas. 
you do have to fill up with guests. It's like no money. It's it's exactly the sort of mechanic that someone was like, oh, we'll make it not a big deal, but it's an important part of the aesthetic of the game and like the vibe of the game. Should and I like that. To, That's a really cool too. touch. Me too. That stuff is really good. You don't like to drive. No one likes to to the dude who drives you around is like, I don't drive at night. There's monsters. <laughs> It's reasonable. Come on. Everywhere. And so you could be like, he, your choices of that are like, you have to be like, all right, fine, let's just camp somewhere. Or you could be like, move over. I'm driving. It's nighttime. <laughs> it's time for Noctis to drive. Night That's drive. what they call me, Noctis, because I drive at night. Um, and it's just like... Come on, leave those jokes to Danielle. <laughs> those jokes are in this game. Those jokes are constantly say. in this game. Like, every three minutes, someone in your crew is making a terrible pun. <laughs> Um, and so I, I hope that that stuff is is really underscored and supported the sort of like bantery stuff. It seems like it will be because that's the one way that these characters can, if not break out of those really boring archetypes, at least accentuate them with some extra character. Again, like if you can execute on those archetypes, I'll forgive a lot. You know, so we'll see. You realize when you said there's puns that that was like the first thing that made me want to play the game. Of course, I mean, like I think that there's a pitch okay, what's the what's the pun scale of this? Like that's a new thing we need at Waypoint. Is like yeah, exactly. Do. Like I need to start to writing them down as they happen because because the two that have happened so far are were bad. I don't remember <laughs> them enough, but I do remember like looking at my webcam even though I wasn't on a call to give it the old Jim Halpert like yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like. What am I supposed to do with that? Uh, it's like to the degree of like, oh, I remember one. You finished a fight. Your character's name is Noctis. And your, your mentor guy, Ignis, is like, you really knocked him out. And That's I was like, good. That's great. Fuck. That's good. so good. Okay. Uh, I think that there's... I, I bet that's for, great the 25th time he says it. Uh, so there is a lot of repetition of some stuff better. of like... I think uh, Gladio has told me, my guy has been like, it's really hot out. And then Gladio is like, take off your jacket. But he says it with that cadence. Like, he doesn't say, like, well, then take off your jacket. Like, or like why don't you just take off your jacket? He goes, take off your jacket. And it's like, okay, that's, okay, I, okay, Gladio, if you say so. And you can do that. There are, like, costume options that give you stats and stuff. I could take off my jacket to increase my... Like attack speed or something, but that's really good. That's armor. a dumb detail. I'm really it's a into dumb that. detail. I'm into that stuff. Like so, there is stuff like that that I'm enjoying a lot right now. Um, the combat is weird. Uh, it's it's actiony, but like the camera isn't. I haven't gotten the camera down yet enough to to where I feel always in control of battle. Well, I hear but the camera's terrible, so I'm not sure that's you. <laughs> okay, well that's good to know. Um, but there is a lot of flashy like team up maneuvers that, that when they work, it works really well, or like it looks really stunning. Um, I don't know. There's 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 something here. I need to keep playing it. More thoughts on that in the future. I know Mike Diver is playing it out in the UK for us also. We'll probably chat about it at some point in the next week or two too. Um it's 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 out. Like that's the biggest thing for me. It's just like, all right, Final Fantasy fifteen is out. Weird. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that's it was, it was like, you know, it's been fat you know, I'm almost more fascinated by the the fan reaction yes. in this place. Is is like the kinds of people that have watched this for this long and have been you know people I've you know I've seen screenshots on Twitter of like people posting you know their pre order tickets from yes. like you know yes. <laughs> way back when oh, for like you know establishments that no longer exist uh, and like stuff it like used that. To so be, it used to be what thir- thirteen verses is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was part of the it's wild Crystalas Novalis. I don't know. It was part of like a larger thing they were doing that mm-hmm. obviously didn't happen. So yeah, yeah. I'm just. Yeah. I'm glad that game shipped, and I'm you know what I'm even happier that it appears to not be Duke Nukem Forever. 
yeah. which is like an extremely <laughs> low a bar. Disaster. But no, like, but like you know, I, I, I want people to be happy. I want people thing- <laughs> to have been waiting for this game <laughs> to too. enjoy themselves. Like I don't, I take no, I take no, uh, even Doom Forever, a game that I knew was going to be bad because that game was such a product of its time. And also, get ready, there's probably going to be a new Duke, Duke Nukem game announced in a couple of days. Yeah, so get yeah. ready for that. Yeah. Uh, right. It's like it would have been so sad if this game sucked. Like it really would have it would have bummed me out if this game sucked, and not because I cared that much, but because I know so many other people that care that much. The thing is that like Duke Nukem Forever felt like it was stuck in time, and yeah. like it was trying to do a thing. It was trying to make references to parts of culture that didn't exist anymore. Like Duke Nukem is a send up of of like eighties action heroes yeah. and like rah rah Reaganism, and like it did not come out in that era there, or forever <laughs> no. didn't, and yet and yet it was the same. This does feel more of its of its of the current time uh in terms of game design and stuff like it does feel like a response to the way that big open world uh, rpgs by people like bioware include banter between characters it does feel like a response to uh, uh the way monster hunter and the witcher have like preparation as an important part of the gameplay like cycle um and that's really cool to see a final fantasy see final fantasy take that stuff in i think after 13 13 felt like such a departure from Final Fantasy uh, and and generally felt like um, exper- like experimental in a way that nece- that was like, no, we're going to go build this weird combat system that is not like anything else out there at all. And it's going to be cool, but like, and you're going to have to enjoy it on its own terms. It's nice to have a Final Fantasy mainline game that is instead saying, okay, no, we want to exist in this continuum. And I'm not dissing that previous thing. I'm just, I like having, I like having that sort of diversity of gameplay experiences. So I like seeing what they're doing inside of the current kind of like collection of of popular trends and stuff. And the same way I'm looking forward to Breath of the Wild, the the new Zelda game, for that same reason of like, Mm -hmm. come up up in here and fuck it up. Like, do some new shit that inspires other people to do new things uh, instead of just going off and making your own completely distinct thing. I talked more about Final Fantasy than I thought I would. (laughs) There's Um, a lot there, it seems. There is. So I'll check back in with me on that. Really quickly, three other real quick things. One, I beat Mafia 3. Nice. Good ending. There's a cool thing on the way to the final mission um, that is just like uh, the thing that they do with the radio that's really cool. So if you beat that game, look out for that. I, I talked to people who beat that game and didn't notice this happening. Hmm. Pay attention to it because it's really okay. fucking, it's like, it's really cool. Um, that game is a little too bulky for its own good. It's The story stuff is fantastic. I love the ending. Um I, it just needs like a third less content yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> I beat Watch Dogs 2. I think that game ends really poorly. Oh, no. Um, and the last act is just kind of weak. It has its own high moments going in. There's a thing at the beginning of that last mission that's really cool, too. You won't miss it. Um, but I, I kind of think, I kind of feel like there's a point at which a lot of the energy of that game is deflated and it never really recovers and it has to do with the way a specific mission is handled and feels latched on. Um, I still generally like it. I love those characters to death and wish that I wish that it had had some of the Mafia 3 sort of respect for its characters. Um, uh, and then last, I played some No Man's Sky because that was there was a patch for that that came out. We should hit that really quick yeah. because there was a patch for No Man's Sky, the most... I would say a game pa- patch is probably uh, selling it short. It seems more like a an update, mini expansion. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You want to talk about it a little bit? What, what's come up about it? Yeah. Well, Danielle, yeah, well, you wrote the you wrote the story on it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, it was just a. There's a survival mode, which is mm-hmm. apparently 
also allows you to sort of build little mini bases sort of around a given planet. There is apparently, uh, I haven't played it yet. It's still downloading. It's like on my machine downloading right now. <laughs> but from, from what up. they had in the video, from what they were talking about, what Hello Games was talking about, uh, there is a base building mode. That's what they actually called it, the foundation yes. update because of this, because I think this is probably the thing people are most excited about. This is what I've seen the most people actually sort of talking about. Uh, so you can build these big multi-story bases now. You can actually use them to house crops. So you can always have your iridium or heridium or whatever the hell you want in there. You can have up to 10 crops in there. Both. I need uh, both. Both, yeah. All the all the idioms, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you like that one. See? Um, and uh-huh. also, uh, apparently also, the interface has been... Uh, beefed up a little bit. You can actually stack items so you're not juggling and miserable yeah. by, by oh, having God, a sort that's, of... Oh, God, that's... Jeez. Yeah. So you could, you could stack a limited amount before, but if the... Spe- the <laughs> so I did this update. You yeah. can't stack things... You can stack things in ship inventory, in presumably in your base inventory and freighter inventory. Yeah. But like you can't if you have two of those glowing balls, whatever those things are called, neutrinos, neutrinos or whatever, balls or yeah. whatever, you can't stack them in your inventory. But when you move them back to the ship, they start stacking. Okay. So it is okay. like it is like a benefit. It's a way for them to encourage you to build out your base and get more storage in your ship. And now to buy one of these super expensive giant freighters. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's way more of those big. Do you know the freighters? That that are in No Man's Sky that are like the big like capital ships that fly yeah, around I sometimes. Get excited to find you, one. you can land on those now and buy them. Um, oh. And they're like your, they're like then then you can like, oh yo warp into me and like come to this planet so that I can drop off some shit to you. Um, I want one real bad. Like the thing about this new update is I think it's out of the progression mechanic that's going to get me back into the game. Um, when you first build a base, you you just like oh you find a bait. So I, here's my like five minute story on No Man's Sky. Landed at a base, or like, five minute story is, wanted to do base building, was stuck on a planet because I didn't have the fucking plutonium to to launch. (laughs) Spent 18 minutes looking for the plutonium, found it, got in my ship, left it, was like, I'm going to find a cool planet to have a base on. Spent 30 minutes looking for a cool planet, could not find one. (laughs) Finally found one, really beautiful green fields, huge like plateaus, island planet, so there's lots of, you know, little islands with, with like big plateaus coming out of the sea. Nice seafront property. I found a base. I decided to take over the base. You like install a construction thing, and then it's like, hey, you need a person who knows how to use construction equipment. So you go up to the space station and hire someone who can do that for you. And then you come down, and then, and like, this is the new hook. This is the way they're, this is the new thing. He's like, awesome. I want to build a science station now, but I can't. I need X. I need a special new resource that didn't used to exist in No Man's Sky called Blastrium. Good. Barastrium, sure. Um, it's not that at all. Um, and the only place to get that is from these like purple cactuses that only show up on barren planets. Huh. And like the second I read that, I was like, oh, I see. And so then I had to go find a barren planet. I looked over my list of planets that I'd been to, found a barren planet, went to it, got the stuff from one of those from those cactuses. Um, really useful thing. Went up to the space station at that star system. There's teleporters at every star system, at every star base now, every okay, space station yeah. that will teleport you back to your base directly. Um, and then from your base, you can teleport to any st- space station that you've teleported to your base from. So there's like very much like uh, fast travel across the galaxy at this point. Um, and so 
came back, installed the science station, recruited the science officer, and he was like, awesome, I got some new shit for you. But first, I need to go get this thing from inside of caves. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, fetch quests is, is what they've added <laughs> to the new sky. thing. But you're talking to someone who put 80 or 90 hours into Starbound when that came out, or 112 hours or something. Nice. In the first version of Starbound, which was just that sort of progression mechanic, like science upgrade loop. Um, and I think I'm going to probably get back into No Man's Sky. This, yeah, I, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but I, I think that that loop is really cool. I think that the changes to the inventory stuff work really well. You can fast charge all of your stuff without going into your inventory now. Like, it's stuff that should have been there at launch, uh, for sure. Yeah. And I think, Patrick, you were saying earlier to me off off of mic that, like, oh, this will be a good game a year from now, or this will yeah, be a this game is, uh, to play? Yeah, Danica was asking whether she should, she just got a PS4, yes. and she was thinking of, of downloading it, and uh, my recommendation was give it a year, because I, th- yeah. I do get the sense they are really committed to this game, and, and, and we're not going to suddenly get no man's sky Two announced you know no. next spring i, I think the, the worst thing they could probably do is announce a sequel to no man's yeah. sky oh yeah and and my guess is this game is probably gonna get at least a full if not maybe not a full year but a long period of free expansions that get it closer to what people had in their head yeah and that i wouldn't be surprised if they started charging for it maybe a year from now as a way yeah. of uh continuing it forward but i bet this game looks almost completely different you know 18 months from now, even a yeah. year from now, even six months from now. I, I do think like they are going – like my guess is like a lot of the basic mechanics and core loop of what you even do in this mm-hmm. game don't don't even exist 12, 18 months from now. Uh, and which is funny, having that dovetail into our discussion about like sort of like, you know, d- digital archiving and the history of games. Yeah. Like if you bought – if you buy this game in two years – you, you might look at it and go, man, what were people so pissed about? Like, it's possible that's the reaction you have. Totally. Um, because they, they – I, I, that's what I hope because I didn't find what you found in that game. It didn't speak to me in that way. I spent 10 hours really looking for it, and uh, it just didn't strike at all. Like, it, it's, it it's partially ex- – Go ahead. It was just exactly what I needed at the time, and I, sure. I, I and in general, I lean toward in that way towards games in general. Those sorts of like that's what I was saying about Morrowind earlier, which is like make my own objective, go do that thing, give me a ton of stuff, and I'll find my fun in it. I found my twenty or whatever hours of fun in No Man's Sky though, and then like left it and hadn't thought about going back. Um, yeah. So so I, I I think I said to you again off mic earlier, like in that conversation with Danica, I was saying. I actually think that everything in that trailer, in those early trailers, is now there in this game. But the stuff that isn't there is what those trailers evoked, that there was something yeah. bigger than that. I guess not everything. I still don't think that that big fucking snake is anywhere in this game. <laughs> um, <laughs> or like it also just doesn't, ha- it doesn't happen very fast, right? Like That's right. also the problem right. with No Man's Sky is that like, there are moments like that. They just don't yes. happen with a frequency that mm. if you're not ready for a game that you're going to spend 20 hours and have a couple of revelatory moments... Uh, um, yeah, and then, like, the the other thing there, too, is just, like, they don't hook into anything bigger. There's no, like, big faction war that you're being part, that you're part of. No, the there's story no, is garbage. The story is garbage, right. There's no, there's nothing there that, like, actually um, moves you to engage with those systems besides the systems themselves. Yeah. And I'm interested in the systems themselves, so that helps for me, but for the vast majority of people who, who need not apologize for this, they don't give a fuck about the systems unless they're tied into something a little bit bigger. Um, so I'm curious to see how they address that yeah. going forward. So we'll so, see. Yeah. 
Let's take a quick look in the question bucket before I have to run to a meeting that starts in 10 minutes, even though I'm still at home. <laughs> I'm going to probably get a, a car to get to work today. Uh, but I'm going to look at this question first. And this comes in. It's a short one. This comes in from Elwood. It's a good name. I like yeah, Elwood as a name. Nice. Hey, Patrick, Austin, and Danielle. I want to ask you a short game design question. It's been bothering me for some time now as I'm starting to learn game dev myself. Can a game be an FPS with gunplay as its mechanic but still be considered deep, quote-unquote, and, and a sort of personal expression? Really curious to hear your opinions on this. All kinds. Keep writing awesome stuff. Thoughts? Like, I think we, we kind of generally, when we talk about first-person shooters, I think that I, maybe this feels to me like it's a response to a sort of line of discourse wherein we kind of dismiss first-person shooters, not as not being fun, but as not being artistic or not being personal or not being a reflection of the designer, the way we talk about walking simulators, the way we talk about, you know, indie games. And we often interview designers of all these other types of games and say, like, oh, wow, how does this reflect your life? No one talked to the people at who made Doom this year and said, like, what was really going into this process? Like, how did you connect this to you? And, and for me, I think that, like, yeah, of course it could be, it, these things can be deep and, and uh, aspects of personal expression. But what about you two? I mean, I think that's what Portal was, sort of, mm. or at least started out that way. I think, yeah, I, it's all about designing around, if you still need to sort of have that mechanic in it to satisfy the requirements of this question, that's fine. There's almost infinite possibilities. That's the cool thing about game design. You You could certainly make a game that's about discovery or about uh, a very personal expression or a personal mm -hmm. memory or a personal experience using that as a core mechanic and also sort of designing around that and on top of it and underneath it and, you know, sort of thinking three-dimensionally with it too. Yeah, I think just by the very nature of sort of like, you know, bigger games and first-person shooters who tend to be sort of these, you know, AAA big projects, like sure. in order to appeal to wider audiences, like sort of ideas get generalized, stories get generalized. So like I think – you know, we focus on it because it appeals to us because it speaks to like something very specific. And it's not to say these some of these games don't do that, but like sort of by mantra, they aren't doing that because they are trying to appeal to an audience that it's a wider hook. And so I think right. like that like it's not surprising. I think smaller games maybe speak more uh, narratively, and larger games speak more mechanically because that's just like an easier way to bait you know, tens of millions. Uh, not that not sure. that can't happen, but I, but I think, you know, if you look at the last, you know, 10, you know, 10, last 10 years, like where we've seen sort of the rise of these different um, uh, approaches, design and, and games that have been more personal that have come because game development has gotten democratized in a way that they can tell those stories uh, in, in video games. Like AAA games are getting a lot better. You know, we're talking about Mafia right. three, like right. that stuff is happening. It just happens as we've talked about, like at, you know, more glacial paces. And I think, I think 10 years from now, like, the, the the distance between those two things will be a lot closer, yeah. um, and and I think we're going to get a lot more of those those personal stories um, um, in bigger games. It's just it, it you know yeah it happens at a slower pace. I would encourage us also to break out of thinking about the word personal as yeah a superlative yeah. as a positive. There are lots of there are lots of games that tell personal stories that I think are bad. Sure. Um, yes. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's not necessarily my job to dunk on those games all the time. Like, I, I one person poured their heart into this thing. Uh, it's not my job to do traditional reviews about evaluation or whatever. But 
The other thing is, is like there are ways to talk about big games that were made by dozens or hundreds of people that that approach them the same way a music critic approaches different sorts of songs or different sorts of, of albums, where you're evaluating them in this in this like way about what their depth is, but that it isn't about narrative, that isn't about lyrics, so to speak, that is about like the construction of the of the sound in, in a song or the construction of, of a gameplay uh, loop or something in in games. So like this year we have like in just the FPS space, Doom, Titanfall, Overwatch, uh, uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Battlefield Battle 1. Um, there are tons of successful first-person shooters this year that all feel really distinct from each other. They've all found... Like, obviously, a lot of these are left-trigger, right-trigger games. A lot of them are have, have some overlap. But Doom and, and Titanfall are both games that are incredibly fast but feel completely different if, if you play them at high levels. Um, and so I think we should learn how to engage with those sorts of differentiations, not necessarily as a reflection of, like, oh, this connects personally to to the gameplay designer's life because this is a time they were on a train and blah, blah, blah. But it does reflect a certain a certain sort of aesthetic sense that a studio um, has and that a studio wants to explore in the same way that, like, a, a new album from a musician can want to ex- explore a different sound or, like, look, in, like, look at the difference between, like, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and Yeezus. Like, oh, wow, like, that is the difference between, like, Titanfall 2 and Doom, right? Like, there is a, a, a diff- there's a different set of ideas that are being explored in terms of like what fun is and what interaction feels good and like different methods of flow and, and all that stuff and that's really fascinating and like a way that we should a way that we have not necessarily been trained to talk about at a high level um, or at a, an entertaining level it's so much easier for me to be like this is what anime voices sound like and for people to laugh about it than for me to like talk about like Patrick wrote in a really good article today about effects and cause the Titanfall 2 le- level um, that is fantastic that we've spoken about a couple of times now you should go read it but like that it's hard to write about that stuff in a way that will that will um, translate to a wider audience because you're talking about mechanics and design and Thankfully, uh, Patrick got some really fantastic quotes, which helps always. It helps. So. Yeah, it helps when you have like designers that can articulate that, you know, yes, like to, totally. um, and especially to bridge the gap between, um, you know, you know, readers that you're trying to communicate to, uh, you know, r- writers like myself that have a limited vocabulary on how yes. to even. Uh, like I remember in, in the Titanfall piece, uh, I uh, one of the things I wanted to get to was to explain or try and understand technically how the game, mm-hmm. how the level works, and you st- you're switching between timelines, and I. So I like I was just upfront about it. I was like I don't know how to ask this question, <laughs> but I you know I was I, I I think how I phrased it was like when I played the game I kept thinking how the hell did they do this? So I'll just I was like I'll just throw it to you like if somehow in layman's terms like how does this level work? And if that's uninteresting, explain it anyway because it might actually be interesting right. in a way that you don't understand. And it, you know ultimately it is interesting because they stack two levels on top of each other yeah. literally in the level editor, and that's a fascinating way to think it's of so how. Cool. Um, they, they, they figure that stuff out. But, you know, I think also uh, I c- can also sympathize with uh, readers who like a lot. If you've been doing what we do for a long time, like sometimes you get bored with certain stories. And yeah. so I think there has definitely been an overcorrection uh, by folks like myself and others who have uh, sought out these more personal stories and written about them and, 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 you know, in a sense promoted them because – 
you know, you do this for 10, 15 years and just like you need something new <laughs> to grasp onto. Um, and I think you saw that in a lot of people, you know, like, you know, flashpoints like Gone Home and things like that mm-hmm. where uh, there's it's just something new and different and personal is new and different. And, and so I think sometimes um, sort of like we in the like quote unquote media can overcorrect in, in that sense and forget that like – there's a lot of other stuff out there that people are still interested in, um, even if uh, you've maybe gotten a little cynical or bored. Because we've done so much of it, right? Like when you try to, when you have to, yeah, when you have to keep up with every first-person shooter that comes out, having something that that plays with the first-person shooter genre and then like pivots to be this other completely different thing is going to be really appealing for us. Uh, so yeah. that's just that's just it's worth that's thinking part of the about. gig. Yeah, it yeah. is worth thinking about. That's that's a good. I like. That's worth thinking about. Yeah. If we were an NPR show, that's how I would end <laughs> the show. Cool. <laughs> uh, in, instead, what I'm going to say is thanks as always to our uh, producer Tim Barnes. Thank you, Danielle and Patrick. Uh, you can find all of our stuff at on Twitter at Waypoint, on Facebook at Waypoint by Vice, at Waypoint.Vice.com. I'm going really fast because I have a car arriving at two in two minutes to take me to a meeting. Uh, <laughs> You gotta export your audio and send it to me. I gotta ex. I'm gonna. I'm gonna export it and up to and upload it. It's great. Uh, find our music. The, the Boen miss you is the name of the song. Bo hyphen en dot info. You can you can just come to our website waypoint.vice.com. That's where it all is. That's where it all lives. Stay tuned for more stuff from us this week. I hope you had a good holiday. I hope December doesn't freeze you to death. <laughs> Peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.